Migsy Jensen, longtime Seacoaster, calling in from all the way out in Jersey. Many know her here at Seacoast, love her, and have always known her as Migsy and Vern, her beloved husband who passed away in 2016. His wife of 35 years, she gets to reflect on the beauty of memories made together and also the pain of losing him. Now, husbands, if you're listening without your wives, you may want to keep it that way. Don't let your wives listen because Pastor Vern sets a high standard for husbands that our wives will constantly refer back to. But before we begin, it's Jack the Lesser and deep thoughts about February the 14th. When Cupid shoots someone with an arrow, they fall in love. But when I shoot someone with an arrow, they call the police. This double standard is simply another example of our out-of-control cancel culture. Hey guys, this is Bree Smoke. Welcome to the V-Day Shorts, a mini-series by the Seacoast Podcast, Things You Won't Hear on a Sunday. This week, we have multiple conversations in the context relationships. Those with childlike faith, we believe all things will be redeemed one day. Love will reign supreme, changing us throughout all eternity. But given full redemption is still drawing closer and not complete. This week, you'll hear about the lives of family here at Seacoast, all of which are full of love from relationships, but unfortunately also tainted with some of that change agent called pain. The beauty of love, the deepest of pains, is the human experience of relationships. The more we love, the more capacity for joy and pain. It's the V-Day Shorts. A minute and hour, any moment spent with you is like a street of gold, like the stories foretold. The more you make my heart believe again. At times it's hard, sometimes I forget how soft to your head. What do you miss about Pastor Vern the most? I miss having him, his presence. You know, I don't have anybody to go do fun things with, somebody to go out to dinner with. And Vern and I did a lot of, not a lot of things that were fun. And I just, he was my buddy. Yeah. We were buddies. He said I was his buddy too, which was kind of cool since I'm a female. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just miss having him as a companion and somebody to do things with and sharing life with him. Yeah. Tell us, we were texting back and forth and tell us how you replaced him <laughs> and how he got how you guys used to joke around about this. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I told him that if he died, I would get a dog. And so then he went around telling everybody he could be be, be replaced by a dog. <laughs> And I said, that's not what I meant. I said, you're not going to be replaced by a man. But it was, it was kind of a funny thing. But another part of it was, all right, he says, let, let me help you pick out a dog. So before he died, we actually got a dog. Oh, wow. What year did he pass away? 2000. 16. Tell us the Migsy Vern story. You guys were together for a total of 35 years, I think. That's right. <laughs> so how'd you guys meet? Give us the romantic story of you guys. I don't, I, I don't know if I should tell you that story. <laughs> <laughs> he was my pastor. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, both of us went through divorce, but he... You know, he was a counselor and we got became good friends first. And then after we divorced, then we started to date. And 
and it worked really well. And then y'all got married in what year? 81. 81. I think one of the things, questions that you were talking about or anything, you know, anything that he left behind that, you know, are especially <laughs> meaningful to me. And, and I, I was thinking, I have a sweatshirt that he used to wear. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I just love to put it on because then I feel like he's hugging me. Uh, I love that. You know, you and I both know that there's no perfect marriage and all marriages likely have their strengths and then their significant challenges. When you look back on y'all's marriage, what would be some of y'all's strengths? I never felt so loved as I felt loved by him. And he was always affirming and encouraging me. And it was interesting because, you know, when we just decided to get married, when you failed in the, a former marriage, you think, okay, what could I, I, what could I have done differently or what can I do better? And one of the things that we decided to do was to have a date every week. And so we ended up having a date. Like Friday was usually our date day. And uh, had an interesting story. One time we were trying to start a business and needed all the help we could get to do that. And a TV station called and said that they would like to interview us about the business. And they, and he said, well, when do you want that? And, he, and they said, oh, this Friday night. And he says, well, I can't do that. <laughs> and and, and I, I'm thinking, why can't he do that? And then he told me, because I have a date with my wife. Oh, all, all of the guys, including myself, are taking notes right now. That's <laughs> that right there. That's that's knight in shining armor stuff. <laughs> I love it. I, I would have loved to have seen the look on the faces of the people asking. He's just like, no, I can't do that. If it's a Friday night, I've got a date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think he probably told her that, too. And I, I expect that probably... You know, it made an impression on her. <laughs> but he was so faithful with dates that he ended up writing a book. Did you know he wrote a book on dating? I didn't. I was thinking I'd like to get your address and I'm going to get you one. It's called Dating Fun for Couples. Awesome. 400 Creative Dating Ideas for You to Try. Did you just say 400? 400 Creative Dating Ideas. I was reading it a, a, little, a little bit ago, but it starts out with, you know, the two of us were driving along and trying to reflect on the dates that we had, and we came up with a hundred over a hundred dates that we that we had had. Dating was a priority for us, and and Bird, being a counselor, came to know the importance of that, and always encouraged you know encouraged folks to keep dating going in their lives. Yeah, <laughs> if if you guys had. A most significant challenge relationally, what would it be? Well, I would say our children <laughs> yeah. and helping them to adapt to our marriage. And, you know, that, that came, you know, creep up through the years, you'd have different situations. But the other thing was that one year after we were married, I developed breast cancer. That was kind of a, a wake-up call for both of us. For sure. And so I went through chemotherapy and, you know, all of the emotional stuff. But anyway, that was, that was another struggle that we went through. And then about a year later, he, he, he had, had found that they found a melanoma on him. Wow. 40 years later, <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Sounds like a doozy of a few years with cancer. Gracious. Now, so y'all y'all brought kids into the relationship from the previous marriages? Yeah, and that was a bumpy road because some of them did not like the idea that we were getting married. Yeah, I'm sure that's pretty pretty normal. Did it get to a point where both of you were embraced by your stepkids? Yes, I think it's wonderful when you come come down to it because his oldest daughter, she, she was really angry and, and took a while before that relationship healed. But in the final weeks of his life, she came and she stayed with me, you know, all through that time. And at one point she says, I just want you to know that you were the love of my father's life. And I love you. Man. So to come from one extreme to the other, and there was one extreme to the other. So it was, a lot of mending took place through those years. That had to have been ear candy for you to hear. <laughs> you better, you better believe it. <laughs> wow, that's beautiful. So this is kind of a this is kind of a silly question. I I think as married couples, most of us have to learn certain compromises. So for my wife and I, I'm kind of a homebody. I like to hang at home, read a book, watch a movie, you know, go exercise, but then come right back into the house. I love, I just love chilling mm-hmm. where she could be on the go every single second. And she wants a companion to be on the go with her every single second, being more extroverted. And so I've had to learn how to get out of my shell a little bit and be less of a homebody. And she's learned over the years to relish that time chilling at home and and that sort of thing. Now that uh, Pastor Vern is gone. Are there certain compromises that you used to make and you're like, well, don't have to make those anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I went, the one that came to my mind is I can go to bed whenever I want to. <laughs> <laughs> instead of I, late or instead of early? I go, I go to bed late. I mean, like midnight, you know, where yeah. he 10 o'clock, you know, that was probably. The, the latest. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So your husband passes away and then you go into party mode, staying up till midnight. <laughs> well, I just, I'll read a book because I, I mean, you get kind of lonely in bed after right. <laughs> you don't have your partner there anymore. Right. And right. So I, I'll, I'll read a book and read my Bible. And but yeah. sometimes I just, I'm up late and he would not have, he would have been sound asleep snoring next to me. <laughs> <laughs> so not only do you get it stay up late, but also in peace and quiet, no snoring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thoughts come to my mind where I'm reminded of him. I mean, I had, when I go brush my teeth at night, I can remember, got to think, I remember the way he used to brush his teeth, you know. <laughs> Uh, and he used to he used to say to me, he says, it's your bed, you know, it's your nap time, you know. And so when I go to take a nap in the afternoon, it's kind of like, you know, he's saying to me, it's your nap time. But I don't I don't actually think he's saying it, but it's the memory, you know, of things that those things that he used to say that were, you know, just those those, those things come to mind. Oh, well, another thing he used to say, which I I tell other people, too, they're feeling down. He used to tell me, he says, okay, act yourself into a new way of feeling. And that's that's one thing that I think is a really significant thing to know. Because when I start feeling lonely or depressed or feeling, oh, poor me, because I don't have my husband anymore. 
that kind of stuff. Then I think, okay, I need to go do something. I need to yeah. take the dog for a walk. We're going to find a new park. Or I need to do something for somebody else. Get, get out of myself. Yeah. But, you know, things like that would come to mind. That Things that were treasures. But he made me feel so loved. And we always held hands, which is, I think, people noticed, you know, the care that we had for each other. And <laughs> I think I think our love for each other showed. Right. <laughs> Is having this conversation more bitter or more sweet or a perfect blend? Probably a good blend. I don't, it doesn't hurt. It's been enough years now that I'm, I don't get hurt by talking about it. Yeah. What was the, the grieving process like? I mean, the first year I'd imagine it was just kind of getting used to the idea. Oh yeah. And you know, I was so used to him taking care of things and then I was left with a, a mountain <laughs> you know, of problems to solve. And then, you know, then after time, I felt my kids wanted me to move closer to them. So then I had to decide, okay, we made a plan. And then I moved to New Jersey so I'd be closer to my children. But no, I, grieving beyond without him was, fortunately, I had a lot of good friends in, in Charleston. And it's funny because I have my children here, but they they have their own lives. But I don't have as many friends here or, or friends that have you know, live life with me enough to, to be a close, I miss him, maybe miss him a lot here Yeah. because I don't have that, those more intimate relationships. And down there, you know, people knew him. So, right. you know, we could talk about him and it was different. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I remember my grandmother around the time when her husband passed away, our, my family, and my extended family, including her, we we transitioned into a, another church fellowship. And that was one of the hardest things for her is at our old church, everyone knew her as William and Jean, whereas right. at the new church, people were just getting to know her without the context of her husband. And that was extremely difficult. So yeah, I could, I could imagine how hard that is. <laughs> and that's kind of what it is here too. I'm going into you know, different churches and it's just me. <laughs> yeah. People say that when couples are trying to navigate a long distance relationship, a husband or wife does a lot of traveling or one of them's deployed in the military. We've heard it that distance makes the heart grow fonder. Would it also apply in a situation in which your spouse is is actually on the other side of things, passed away, does your heart grow fonder? I, when you mentioned that question, I thought my heart could not be any fonder than it is for him. I love that, for sure. You've already done it just in the course of this conversation, but if you could make any sort of recommendations for people who are currently married, what would some advice be that you would give? Well, I, I, I need to mention that dating does help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Having fun together, right. enjoying each other. And don't forget, I was I was kind of looking at Burns, Burns' book on dating and, and he was talking about when you go on a date, don't be, don't go out on a date and just complain about with the kids and the problems, share memories, you know, fun memories and or do something fun or different or be a little creative about, you know, your dating. But I think one of the most important things people can do is to forgive offenses quickly. Yeah. And 
And and it, it's kind of interesting because I, I, I think of people saying, I don't feel like forgiving. And I believe that feel you can make a choice to forgive, even if you don't feel like it. And if you do that, then God's going to help you with the feeling. So the, the quicker you forgive offense, just, I forgive you. You know, just let it go. Then it doesn't develop because otherwise you start, you dwell on an offense and then you get resentment, and bitterness, anger, you know, and all that stuff. So I think that's one of the most important things. But to affirm each other, I think that's an, and encourage each other. You you mentioned how affirming he was to you. And it sounds as if that made a pretty significant impact, obviously, as you talk about it. If Vern were sitting here with us right now, how would he answer this question if I said, you know, Pastor Vern, what are ways that Migsy meets certain needs for you? Would would it go to words of affirmation too? Yes. Yes, it would. Because I don't know if you want part of this story, which was a struggle with he, he was arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Oh, well, I think I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we had, in, had, had invested in real estate at one point, and then we had some money that we needed to reinvest. And some somebody called him and talked talk to him about a gold mining project out in, in Nevada that we could invest in. And and he went out, he checked it, and he thought it was legitimate. And then ended up encouraged other members of the family to to buy into it. Then we got a phone call, and they the FBI, and they said we think this could be a scam. And we thought, oh my golly. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So he went out. He says, "Will you? Can we wiretap your phone?" So and we said, "Sure, you can wiretap it." And then and then they called and I said, "Well, we're ready to wiretap it." And he says, "He says he says well, I was just going to go out there." He says, "Why don't you let me go out there and record, take pictures, videos of what's going on?" So so he went out there and he took videos and he came back and he sat in our living room with an FBI agent for an hour or more, showed the video. And he said to the FBI agent, does this look like a scam to you? And the FBI agent says, said, no, I don't think so. And we said, well, let us know if you think if it is. And we didn't hear another word about it until we went to New, came to New Jersey to visit my daughter. It was on my birthday and five FBI agents surrounded her house and arrested him. Whoa. <laughs> and they apparently felt he was a fugitive from justice because some kind of an indictment had come. Anyway, so anyway, we went through two, two trials. He was convicted and he would have been sentenced to two and a half years in prison, but it was kind of, I got God, God was in this whole thing. But anyway, we were going, going to, to for sentencing and the judge says, he says, I woke up at four o'clock this morning. He says, and this man is the least culpable of anybody. So he says, I'm going to change the sentencing to just six months in a house arrest. Then the prosecutor said, oh, it's got to be. No, I think it was only two months house arrest. Prosecutor said, it has to be six months, at least a minimum of six months. And he says, okay, four months in the halfway house and two months house arrest. And so that's what turned out. But he was on probation for five years. But talk about struggles. A lot of struggle came after that. One of the things that I was thinking about was when I saw him weeping one time on the couch because he felt like he could never be in ministry again. And as it turned out, he was in ministry again because we <laughs> had a pastor <laughs> who could could see past all this and put him on staff and ended up he ended up having the greatest ministry of his life after that. Man. 
Would that pastor be Greg Surratt? That would be Greg Surratt. Gosh, that had to have been so deeply troubling to go through all of that. <laughs> yeah, well, and, well, we lost all of all of our assets, and he, he couldn't leave the state without getting permission. And but God, you know, you look back on these things and you see the good things that came out of it, and a lot of good things came out of it. And that, and I said one thing we learned more about. I said pastors can talk about the faithfulness of God. I said, but we lived it. <laughs> yeah. We lived it. We saw it every every turn. We, people would come to our house and they say, the Lord told us to give you $500. Or somebody come with a, a bag of groceries. I mean, it was that kind of thing where it was just. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have gotten to know some friends of yours recently, Mr. Fred and Miss Terry Reed, and they have both remarked on how significant of a role both of you guys played in their lives and and marriage. And I'm going to take a wild guess that they are not alone in that. So I just want to express some appreciation and and love and respect for (laughs) what you guys were as a as a couple in ministry and and also just the example of a husband and wife that loved one another and got through hard times together. Miss Migsy, do you ever let your imagination run wild a little bit and think about when you guys are reunited? <laughs> oh yes. I his arms are open wide and I'm coming and I'm hugging him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running to him. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Course, course, in the Bible it says you, you aren't married when you're in heaven. <laughs> but I'm my heart, our hearts are connected. So there you go. I know he know me, and I would certainly know him, and and it would be a wonderful reunion. I can't, I can't wait for that. It's gonna be, it's <laughs> gonna be something else. It really is gonna be. Miss Migsy, thank you so much. Appreciate this, and I know our listeners will as well. Well, I, I. I, I I'm I praying, Lord, help me say the right things. <laughs> so bless you, Joey. I'm going to get you one of his dating books so you and your wife can have some fun. Hey, we'd love that. Okay. All right. See you, Miss Migsy. Okay. Hey, we hope you are enjoying this series. In the show notes, there's a link to our Facebook page as well as a place to subscribe to the podcast. There's also a link to my email address. We're actually playing around with the idea of creating some digital spaces for friends and even strangers to get together online, chill, get to know one another, and discuss some of the content in these episodes. There's no needed commitment or expectations to be there regularly, and uh, we haven't even started them yet, but I'd love to hear from you if this sounds interesting at all. I can simply keep you posted. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Oh, I can't get enough of your love. Oh, I can't get enough of your love. Oh, I can't get enough of your love. Oh, at times it's hard, sometimes I forget. How soft your hands? Kiss.